Polygate Weapon is brought to you by Nemesis Studios. An elegant weapon for a more civilized age. This is a journey into sound. Welcome to An Elegant Weapon, episode 235. My name is J.J.M. Clark, J. the Jedi, Ross, Ross, Jedi, J. And as always, it's so wonderful to have all you beautiful babies back here in the L5J studios. This week, this episode, Toronto Comic Con 2017, part two. Uh, A very unfortunate incident occurred over the Toronto Comic Con weekend, and that was the loss of illustration legend and master Mr. Bernie Wrightson. Did not feel right to go throughout the weekend without some sort of uh, eulogy, some sort of uh, memorialization. Uh, Two artists in particular out of the Toronto area sprung to my mind quite immediately, and those were Shay Hahn and Mike Ruth. And uh, I went straight to them the morning after, And wanted to get their thoughts. And they had some very, very nice, kind words to say about Bernie Wrightson. uh, About his influence on them. uh, And uh, all that good stuff. Uh, Shay, we also discussed a little bit about Gladiosaurs. If you haven't heard about Gladiosaurs, that's Shay's comic. He made it in 15 days. From conception to on the table at Toronto Comic Con. Nutty boo. Uh, we tell you a little bit about that. Uh, and then the third conversation, uh, the lengthier of the conversations you're going to hear on this episode, uh, Mr. Dave Ross, DC Marvel Dark Horse uh, veteran Iron Horse. Uh, I became familiar with Dave through his Dark Horse work with Mark McKenna on the Star Wars comics. Uh, and Dave is a super nice guy. He's always been very personable. Uh, very friendly and up for a chat. So that's what we did. We chatted. He's got something very exciting happening right now. He's got a brand new book out uh, to go along with his teaching because he's teaching these days at Max the Mutt. Um, if you're not familiar with Max the Mutt, check it out. Uh, it's a very cool way to learn how to draw comic books. Uh, but this, this is an even cooler way. And uh, I'm going to sit and chat with Dave Ross and he's going to tell you all about it. The book is called Freehand Figure Drawing for Illustrators and it is really cool. It's like a university textbook geared at comic book-ness. And, but not, I don't want to say university. That makes it sound too difficult. It's really inspiring for any kind of people who like to just draw casually or want to improve themselves in any way. This is a very, very uh, easily laid out 
method and technique that uh, Dave discusses. And uh, you're going to want the book after this. I think you might. You should get it. Freehand figure drawing for illustrators. Just go to DaveRossArt.com and it's there. And you can get it now. So here you go, kids. Toronto Comic Con 2017 Part 2. Kind, kind words about the wonderful Mr. Bernie Wrightson from Mike Ruth and Shay Han, followed by a delightful conversation with Mr. Dave Ross. How's it been for you so far? It's been wonderful, Mighty Mike Ruth. Good, good. To a certain extent, I needed to talk to you first thing this morning. Okay. Due to unfortunate news received by the comic book community last uh, night. Yeah. On the passing of Mr. Bernie Wrightson. Yeah. And I instantly thought of you, Mike Ruth. Oh, thanks, man. Do you have a few words on Bernie Wrightson? Oh, just a tremendous regret that I never got to meet him. And uh, he was here a few years ago, I think, at, uh, at Fan Expo or, or Comic-Con, one of the two. And I... He was actually sitting in the same row as me. I didn't even know he was at the show until like about halfway through Saturday. And I kept on going over to his table and he wasn't there. I couldn't believe he was even in the same building as the guy. He's been such a tremendous influence on my on my life and my work. And I uh, there'll never be another Bernie Wrightson. There'll never be anyone who can ink like him and do what he did and bring that level of horror and depth of fearless use of black to the page. Uh, he's a... He'll be terribly missed. I, I wish I could say that I knew him personally, but a lot of my friends did. Uh, I know Steve Niles is tremendously close with the man and his and his family, and uh, I know he's devastated today. It's a it's a it's weird. There's been so many Comic Cons this year where we've gotten news of a passing creator. Like uh, Ottawa, we lost Don Darwin Cook. That was the same time as TCAF, and it was heavy heavy duty stuff, we, man. Who was it we lost at Mississauga Comic Expo? Oh, remember? Uh, yeah. Oh, shoot. No, I feel bad. I can't remember. Yeah. It, it, it was. It was a pretty. It was a pretty. Yeah. It was another big one, though. Um, it's just been the, the season. It's when it happens when there's a fairly big clone. Yeah. It really. It really changed the tone. I remember uh, at Ottawa. I. I didn't know Darwin well at all. I only met him a couple of times. But I, when he passed, I actually was the one to give the news to one of his very closest friends that he had passed. Um, and it was awful. The person went to pieces in my arms, and it was just a terrible terrible thing I, I it was awful it was a hard day it was a really hard day but today is hard uh, today I'm not really processing it very well I I didn't get any sleep this weekend I've just been working on commissions but I'm inking today and I'm, I'm trying to doing a wonderful Bret Hart thanks man well he's got the leather jacket on so I'm trying to pull up some of that some of that dark you know those dark shadows and those those right. you know patches when and did you discover Swamp Thing when did he come into your life um I think I saw the movie when it first came out um but I think I may have had a couple of comics as well and then those you know those little uh those little bundle packs you'd get at like uh, Walmart or something Absolutely. like that uh, yeah, I think yeah. there was always a couple Swamp Things in there and they were kind of a different because he'd cuss sometimes in the comics <laughs> that was a bit <laughs> of a different thing but uh yeah no I, I always love that stuff but um my friend, uh, my best friend Dave, uh, Galacto Dave, he has, uh, he's, a, he's the biggest Bernie Wrightson fan I know, and he has this tremendous piece in his living room. It's this giant 72-inch wide, 48-inch high po uh, reprint of a, a Bernie Wrightson uh, piece from the Frankenstein book, which you haven't seen Bernie Wrightson's Frankenstein. You haven't seen anything ever. It's the greatest pinnacle of inking I've ever seen. It's just an incredible piece. But it's a shot of Frankenstein's lab, and it's just overlapping test tubes and goblets and, and various flasks and things, and 
and the way he's drawn them in perspective and the way he's overlapped them and used line weight to give you depth and space. No one could do it like him, and it's a sad day for sure to you know to lose a guy like that. I know he's had failing health the past few years, but I just I super regret I never got to meet him. Um, hey, Mike, I really appreciate your words on. Hey, man, and, no. Uh, I just I thought of you because I knew you know. Oh, thanks, man. I'm. Man. I. Uh, it's funny, you know. There's a guy on Instagram called uh, you know, Roots of the Swamp thing. He's a he's a, a fanzine. Guy. John uh, Boylan's his name, and he. Uh, he sent me a copy of the of the uh, Holland Files, which is his fanzine, this big, thick fanzine. And there's a picture in there that I, I submitted some artwork to it. And there's a picture of Bernie, and on the opposite page is a drawing that I did of Swamp Thing. And I'll, I mean, that book just became wow. way more powerful to me now. So wow. it's uh, it's gonna be Dreams kind of a shitty day, man. Come true, though, yeah, oh man, right? it's uh, it's it's a sad day. And he was. Yeah. Well. Oh yeah. No, he's a he's a solid guy, man. It's uh, I wish I could have I wish I could have known him. That was that's my only real regret. But uh, I'm sorry we lost him. He was a it's a big loss. It's another another big loss in a a year and one you know more than a year of giant losses. Uh, but uh, well, everybody hug each other out there. Yeah, man. Keep positive. I have one last final question for you. Sure, Mike sure, Ruth. sure. How the hell are you handling sitting here for three days next to Anthony Ruckage? Shut your mouth, Clark. <laughs> Actually, the company's awesome, man. I got wrestling guys around me, and I'm a wrestling guy deep down. It's uh, it's cool. To, there's been a lot of wrestling chats and things like that, and it's been fun. No, he's solid. I've never been in this. I've never been in this wing of the uh, of the artist alley before. This this side of the of the building. It's kind yeah, of a different you guys vibe. Are yeah. All, uh, you know, you're kind of in the chapter house world. Yeah, yeah. On. No, there's and great people here. Ducks, yeah, so, uh, it's been good, man. Yeah. Great show as yeah. always. Thank you so much, Mike Ruth. Thank you, my friend. Everybody, get online, check out Mike Ruth. And uh, if you want to actually uh, uncouth Ruth on Instagram, and I recommend you go check it out because you'll see the swamp things uh, that come out of Mike Ruth. And, uh, you know, just the, the amount of swamp things. Because he's like your warm-up. Pretty <laughs> he's much, my right? guy. He's my go-to guy for drawing, yeah. I'm, I'm, every, I've done a couple of sketch tools where he's been the subject where I've, I've you know, I've been in my my, my highest truest yeah. element but uh, yeah you know yeah. it's Swamp Thing's my guy for sure man and, so, and yeah, it's all right. if you guys want to check out some uh, heavily influenced uh, Bernie Wrightson uh, art check out Uncouth Ruth on, on uh, Instagram thanks Mike thanks brother cheers Shay ready to start with the bad news before we start with the amazing news but the bad news is we lost Bernie Wrightson last night we lost do you have some words and thoughts on that occurrence I do I was I was talking with Aaron Feldman about that just earlier and I was like right on Bernie Wrightson is such a master that you felt fine drawing as crappily as you did because you knew he was always around drawing better and you didn't have to aspire to be as good as Bernie Wrightson. There was just an unattainable You could not do it, so you were okay drawing your shitty pictures because Bernie Wrightson is carrying the torch for all of us. Yeah, it was after having such a great day at the show and hanging out after the show and being on that high than to get home and read this news, I, I crashed. Seriously, hard. Did, about I thought it. of you and Mike. I spoke with Mike Ruth earlier because yep. you two came right to mind. And I was like, oh, it is, it is. Because it felt like his con he was turning around a bit in the updates that we're talking about, that he may not be able to draw anymore or sketch anymore, but his health was okay. And then to see it take a turn like this, it was very sad. Yes. It's unfortunate. It's, uh, it's hit a lot of people. Online is all blown up. It's not yeah. about Bernie today. It's uh, some amazing stories. And, you know, I don't realize some of these creators until something unfortunate like this happens, how deeply they affected people's art. You also expect people to always be around 
you know, that yeah. people don't actually pass on. Yeah, you know, Chuck Berry last night. That was a big one for me as well. I mean, I was raised on 50s rock and roll. Yeah. You know, and and uh, that guy brought... It's, it's an equivalent thing. What Brandon sure. oh, yeah. say brought to comic books is easily equivalent to what Chuck Berry Chuck Berry is rock, rock and roll, of course. He is, in a lot of ways, Chuck Berry is rock and roll. He's the most, one of the most punk Americans there ever was. Right? And he liked to film women when they went to the bathroom. He did some interesting things, but I mean, that's what goes along with rock and roll. Well, you got to have personality. Uh, when did you discover Bernie Wrightson? I, oh, I was very young. My friend uh, Chris Bain, his dad bought him. He had all the original Swamp Thing, Bernie Wrightson books. And I was eight years old, flipping through this stuff, just losing my mind. Because, hey, what am I into at eight years old? Monsters. Bernie, that first run of Swamp Thing is all these deformed monster men and stuff. It was mind-blowing stuff to see when you're that young, you know? And he at times had, uh, you're one of those artists who you can see a certain influence. You both have a certain wild, flaring style at times, you know what I mean? Where it's not so much about, you know, is this, does this look right? Does this, you know, fit perfect proportion? But does this hit the mood I'm looking for? But he does this was, hit the feeling I'm looking for? He's so technically proficient at what he was doing. It was odd, like, I don't do a lot of advanced preparatory sketches for a lot of things, but when you see the Frankenstein pages, uh, from Bernie Wrightson's book, you know that he just didn't sit, this was planned, this was right. figured out. Right. If anything, it makes you want to work a little bit harder. Well, speaking in the, of working the harder thing. and figuring things out and making a plan, there's a new comic book that you're debuting. There here. sure a is. Comic book, Gladiosaurs. The Gladiosaurs is here. Uh, a comic book created in a 15-day period from conception to being on this convention table right now. That's right, man. Uh, when the article that it went around Facebook like wildfire every comic artist was actually posting about this Ken Ham article where he said that I, I feel really poor, poorly for people in the United States if this is ever taught in school that the earth is only about 6,000 years old and dinosaurs and giants used to fight each other in gladiator style combat so I read that I was like this is the best thing I've ever for a comic book you could possibly this is Jack Kirby man this is yeah. devil dinosaur this is you know um, this is so insane that it has to be done so I put the call out. I said, any writers who want to write this book, you have two hours. Here, here are the criteria that I want. Four panel pages max. Um, Kirby's, you know, cosmic Kirby language. Something like that. There's a giant space god. In the, you know, just go for it. And Roel Torres, who I worked with on the Kayfabe anthology, sent me a script in two hours. Wow. And so my <laughs> gave my co-writer on it, and like, off they, we went. Did, did he tell you that you, he was going to send it, or just two hours later did a script show up? Well, two or three people started throwing around ideas, and I said, stop it. I'm busy. Yeah, you're I'm, wasting I'm, time. You're wasting time. I'm busy. <laughs> yeah. You get 20 copies of the book, and they're your right to reprint if you want, right? Okay. So you'll make 100 bucks just for writing the thing if sure. you sell if 20 sell books, right? Right. right? So what's Fair wrong with deal. that? Right. For three hours, two and a half hours work? Right. Why not? You don't time for contracts. No, I don't, no <laughs> I don't have time for anything. i got to draw this. Yeah, yeah. Like I've got the pencil in my hand. Yeah, I'm ready I'm to go. <laughs> so he sent it. That night, I just started doing layouts. No pre-thumbnails. I just started drawing but you the book. Did, you planned it out. Like, you charted it, kind of, though. Did you not? Like I charted my progress of what needed to be drawn, what needed to be flatted, right. what needed right. to be So you kind of made a budget cetera. of time, like yeah. a time budget. If I didn't have those controls in place, right. I wouldn't have finished. 
right, in time right. to get it to the printers. So I got it to Alfonso Espinos on the 6th. Nice. And had it in time for Toronto Comic Con. And kudos to Studio Comics. Studio for Comics Press. That busted out there. Who is going to be printing every single Canadian comic book in a matter of Dude, months. Give it some time. <laughs> give it some time. Pretty much, man. Um, it's amazing. Uh, I got the copy. And it's great. It's it, ridiculous. For, for the ridiculousness of how it was put together, it's fantastic. Man. Thank you very much. Like, it, it looks great. <laughs> so, but you were speaking about how you did give yourself criteria. Four panels, max. Even in the coloring, you were like only two-tone two tone, right? Two-tone, full color, just a bit of shadow. I couldn't I couldn't blast in color, but I wanted it to look like a 70s book anyway, right? right? So right, right, that right. worked out just fine for me. The book looks great. It explodes with color. It right. is so brightly colored. Oh my god. <laughs> if it was printed which on newsprint, so, which is Shay, which yeah, is you, you know? If it was printed on newsprint, it would have that very matte look that a lot of 70s books did have. Right. But uh, that's cool. That's where I got exactly what I wanted from it. Well, your art has that kind of deal. Remember when I was uh, I was working downtown and I looked across the street oh, yeah. and I saw this poster that I was like, there's no way that's not Shay's work. Yep, like, that was me. Know, oh, yeah. What are we getting thumbs up for, Aaron Feldman? What do you do? Ah, sketch. Uh, sketch is going sketch And how's it been going? Is, I'm having the best time. The yeah? book is the book is flying like crazy. I, I had so many advance orders for uh, sketch covers that I've been busy drawing the whole time while selling books. This book is a, a certified indie hit. Well, you know, <laughs> it, it is, especially with what you know, just the way you went about it. I'll man. be reprinting. In two months, I'll so probably. So you are going to keep reprinting. I'm going to do it with a different cover. And what's the plan? Like, so sold online? You going to try to get it in stores? Well, uh, I'm going to. Yeah, okay. I'll take it to some stores. Yeah, and yeah. I'll it'll be on my uh, indie store site. I don't know what it's it'll called. Be store it'll be envy. I never use it. It'll be around. In yeah. true uh, Shehan style, it'll be around. It'll be selling. Go find it. Yeah. If I'll you be want to. coming down to Philadelphia. Yes. So coming to Philadelphia. Philadelphia Comic Con. So if you're going there and you want a sketch cover edition done, just Is get in touch with me. Is that your U.S. convention debut? That's my first one. Good time. My first one. Along with this clown over here is coming down to Philly, Mr. Sean Daly, your U.S. Con debut as well. Yeah, it is. Are you excited? No. 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 Sounds good. All right, uh, Shay, thank you so much. Congratulations on this achievement, dude. Thank you, my brother. All right, take it easy. See you again. Time to do it. Yeah, things are mellowing out here as things are winding down at Toronto Comic Con, and I am very privileged to be sitting here chatting with Mr. Dave Ross. Uh, I'm not even going to go into it. We're about 30 years of Marvel, Dark Horse, DC. Been blah, there, blah, done blah, that. Blah, blah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but you have something very exciting uh, happening right now. Yes, I've been with working. With the book and such. Tell the people about it. I've been, uh, been teaching as well as drawing for the last number of years. And uh, basically, in response to a lot of the reaction that students had to what I was drawing and also in me learning from them, what was and what wasn't available on the stands in terms of instructional books, uh, I've put out an instructional book. It's actually a, a major publisher, Penguin Random House, that's behind the book. Oh, nice. And it's called Freehand Figure Drawing for Illustrators. It's a book that is really tailor-made for anybody who wants to get into comic books and, and do the drawing there. It basically gives you the methodology that all of us use, one way or the other, to be able to create figures from scratch, from the imagination, any angle that you would want to pick, any kind of crazy pose that you need to, to right pose on. them in, and you can just do it. 
um, without the need of a, an immediate reference, without any kind of a model or photo reference available. That kind of versatility is just what we need to be able to make deadlines and, uh, right, right, and, right. and just do all the versatile drawing that we're called upon to do That's when we're doing you, comics. You were saying that this was kind of a, it's kind of an amalgamation of other techniques you've learned, other techniques you've heard about and seen, you've kind of collected it into this more comprehensive Well, that's it. There's always been method. some little bits and pieces of these methods in various books, but not really laid out in such a way that is good for the contemporary uh, student. They need a very functional form of this stuff to be able to uh, to get into comics and, and do this. So you might have a little something about the mannequin in one instructional book or another, but this book really takes the the drawn mannequin and moves it around and poses it in all the different ways that you would need to pose it. Lots of foreshortening, lots of information about foreshortening, which is a very tricky subject. Oh yeah. That kind of thing uh, has has not been there in any kind of a comprehensive way before, and that's what's special about the book. I what I notice is I've never seen how not just really was the mannequin in there in the you know mm -hmm. like the diagram and structures types, but you have like kind of these cylinder grids, yeah. like different styles of gridding. Oh yes, the grid is so important. Yeah. I mean, the grid is a is is a the beginning of of drawing in three dimensional depth. the The thing we do as illustrators, uh, we're like that other uh, professional with the I L L beginning on our names. We're like the illusionists, and like illusionists, we're creating the illusion of three dimensional depth on a flat page. Mm -hmm. And to do that, you need to use every trick in the book particularly if you're only working in black and white, you're not dealing with color. Pers technical perspective is one of those tricks, and it's one of them, maybe the best one of, of the right. bunch for creating it. Illusion, right? It is, yeah. you're creating the that optical illusion, and you need to be able to get good at that first. So when I talk to students, I always get them working with grids first, and building box forms on grids, and moving those box forms around. And the advantage of doing that is not just that they learn the functionality of that, but also that they get a sense of drawing in 3D on the flat page. It's, it's more than the sum of its parts. It's something where you, you develop a kind of three-dimensional or spatial sense as you draw. And you will find over time that that three-dimensional or spatial sense will do a lot of the heavy lifting for you. Okay. Answer a lot of problems, solve a lot of, of, the, of the things that you need to have solved right, right. on the page. But you need to develop that skill first. And it starts simply, right. grids, boxes on grids, moving the boxes around, learning the rules of engagement, you might say, mm -hmm. for doing that kind of thing, and then applying it to the human figure, applying mm -hmm. that to torsos and hips and the cylinders of the legs and so on. When you do that, then all of a sudden, all the possibilities open up for you. Right, right, right. It's a, it's a really cool thing to see because I haven't seen anything that reminded me of it like that since I was telling you since like, uh, the, I think it was Jim Lee who did the Draw Comics the Marvel way. It was a video I watched when I was okay, a kid. Okay, right, right. And immediately he started, uh, he's like, this is how you start, with a base. And he made yes. a cross. Yeah. And he made the chest like oval and then the yeah. arm ovals. Yeah. And he's like, you know, these little, and that was a big thing for me to learn as even a little kid to just completely look at it differently as not just a picture you got to start at one spot and draw a line that yeah. makes the picture no and I Those like layers. the point that you started with the chest because the first thing I do with my students when they come into class and then in the first year as I say to them how many of you start with the head and just about every hand in the class will go up and I said I know it's natural we att we're attracted to the head 
we're attracted to the face. Uh, and so we want to start with that when we're doing a drawing. But you know what? The gesture of a pose starts at the core of the body, the core of the body being the torso and hips. Right. It's that relationship between those two parts of the body, if there's a twist or a bend or a curve going through that part of the body, that basically is the maker of the pose. And you've got to establish that first. Then what you'll find is that the arms will flow out of that. The legs will flow out of that. And yes, even the neck and the head flow out of that core of right, the body. Right. And so you'll find that your heads, when you draw them, will be mounted properly on the torso. Because the other question I would ask my students when I asked that first question, I would say, okay, now, all of you who start with a head, how many of you have a hard time later on with it being mounted properly on the shoulders? How many of you have to redraw those shoulders about eight times before you feel like you're getting them right? Right. And usually just about every hand goes back up in the room. And I said, <laughs> that's because you're not working from the core. You're not feeling the natural lines of rhythm that are flowing out of the pose because those start with the relationship between the torso and hips. Until that's established, don't even waste time thinking about drawing the head. Right, right. It's, uh, the word natural, I think, is a big yeah. part of it. Do you, when you're drawing, just wait like ever come into it like oh, say yeah. like cuz like we're basically talking about the center of gravity yes right and how things react to that main centered core so when you're drawing you are thinking okay this this arm these are heavy arms on a heavy chest with light legs definitely you know definitely I mean? well yes you have to think about that and and really i i guess i was uh, i was classically trained in animation okay. which is shared in college right and the animation program and one of the things that they instill on in you in such programs is the um, the need to keep in mind uh, that these are supposed to be real characters, that they have weight and mass, and the laws of physics apply to them. So, you're thinking about the distribution of weight, balance, the center of gravity, right. moving the center of gravity deliberately when characters are in motion, maintaining a center of gravity directly underneath the characters when they're not. Right. That kind of thing is so important, so you don't just throw a leg out somewhere because you think it looks cool or it's filling a space on your page, you do it because it's balancing the character. Right, right. As much as it's a picture, it's still, you've got, you have to follow those real rules or things yes. just look funny. It, it's, it's a weird analogy, but I was just listening the other day to the new Logan movie. Right. And there's that scene where Professor X is making everything like shaking and you see him in the hallway and mm -hmm. he's having trouble walking like through just down the hallway because it's, you know, psychic vibes or whatever. Right. And they said even for that, he kept trying to fake it and it didn't look right. So they literally tied ropes to his back mm -hmm. and pulled back on him and he had to pull yeah. against the ropes, which I from what you're saying, I can almost yeah. see you have to start to feel that sense with the comic, that's right. like with the actual picture. Like, and what that, Well, and that, that's why it's so good to be able to freehand draw, because if you're working with models, models can only do so much to throw themselves off balance. So it's really hard to show somebody, say, in mid-leap off a cliff. Now, right. can I get a model to pose for me for that one? Right, right. Not really. No, it's not going to look right. No. No. It's, it's going to be a little tricky. Right no, it's not going to end very well at all. Um, now, of course, you can get shots of people in mid-dive, say those, those, those amazing uh, divers that dive off cliffs and so on, get some great shots of them maybe to use for reference. That's great. But you find as well that when you're drawing, you need to think in terms of, of some little bit of exaggeration. And the more you know about how to pose characters, how to make body language work for you as an artist, 
the better you'll be able to get at taking even a reference like that and saying, well, this looks pretty good, but what if I curl the legs inwards a little bit more, turn those heels in a little towards each other a bit more? Oh yeah, that looks even better than the real thing. Right. And what if I just stretch those arms a little more than they are in the photo reference? Oh yeah, that really makes the pose click now. Okay. So there's things like that that you will see even when you do have the benefit of reference in front of you, right. where you can tweak a thing here, shift to something the other, and take a little artistic license with what you're looking at. It will give you a stronger pose in the end. And the only way to get to the place of having the confidence to do that is to make a real study of human motion, of human gesture, and that becomes a part of the whole process of learning how to freehand draw. Sure, sure. I noticed what stuck out was you had one section that was just on standing. Like, mm -hmm. this is how this person yeah. looks when they're standing this way. Or just putting a hand in a pocket changes our entire posture. Yes. You know? So that's important because that's really where stiffness shows up. And of course, one of the things a young artist is always trying to deal with is fight against stiffness showing up in their drawing. Right, it's right. a little easier when you've got a full-out action pose to make it look lively. But when you have people standing around, that is just deadly right. if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. And so I wanted to spend a decent amount of time really covering that subject because it was so crucial. That's amazing. Um, it, it's an incredible resource. Yeah. I mean, not that I've read it, but I was you know, looking at it and just you know, the little bit that I know, I'm, I'm sure this is going to help tons of people. Like, well, thank you yeah, for that. Yeah, I've been getting yeah. some good responses so far yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and far afield because, as I say, the book is being... Um, is under the aegis of Penguin Random House and they of course being the big publisher that they are are really making sure it's out there. Right, right. I had somebody come back to me from the Philippines last week saying how much it was helping one of their, their sons and, and that yes. they picked it up in this, it wasn't even in Manila, they picked it up in in a smaller city right. in the Philippines and right. I said well that's great if it's finding its way to places like that not like that's the end of the earth or anything uh, but but it's just great that it's getting around the globe in right. in that same it's way. It's really non-intimidating. As someone for me who's not not a you know I right. like to draw, but it's more of a hobby type thing for me. Um, I don't think your experience really matters. You can look through this book as an absolute beginner and not yeah. feel like it's it's too much for you. It feels yeah. like okay, this is something I can start with basics and then add on top of. So that's that's really important that people need to know is. This is a book for beginners. It'll probably help pros as well. You know, like yeah, I, anyone can learn from this book. Well, that's great. Thanks for that. Yeah. No, really, I, I, it, it's, it's really great that you feel that way about it because that was very deliberate on both my part and the part of the editor. We really wanted a book that was entry level. Yeah, it feels for that. students yeah, that they yeah. could come in and if they just had the desire to do it, they could start in on it. But at the same time, it's a serious text. There are exercises at the end of each chapter. You can really treat it. Like a, like a textbook, as if you were taking the, the course right, itself right. at a school somewhere. Absolutely. Um, since it's Penguin, I'm assuming it's available everywhere. Yes. Yeah, Indigo? Certainly. All, all the, the major bookstores will right. have it, and if they don't have one in stock, they certainly have it on their database. Right, okay, good. So it will not be a problem for, me, for them to pop it up and find out where they can either special order it or just restock Right, from right. inventory. Kids, I highly recommend you get out, get this book uh, by Mr. Dave Ross. One more thing I gotta ask you about. Dave, do you miss Star Wars? Do you miss working on Star Wars? Oh, I loved working on Star Wars stuff. Yeah, yeah I'd do that again in a, in a New York minute. Yeah. Yeah, now, that'd be were, great. Were you a huge fan like before you came on to it? Oh, of course. Yeah, How could yeah. you not be? Right, right. You know, growing up with that stuff, it was such a, such a, a lot of fun. And I've always loved sci-fi as a genre. And the neat thing about uh, doing what I do, which is doing mainstream superhero stuff 
and then jumping over to, to, to something else, to another genre like sci-fi and Star Wars, is just so refreshing. It's, the change is always so great. Right. I mean, I love doing both of them, but it's just, after you've been doing, say, a, a lot of superhero work for a while, to switch over to, to the mm -hmm. Star Wars stuff, it's refreshing. And I love, I've always loved designing the hardware, drawing all the hardware. Right. So for me, it's the, it's the environments, it's the ships, the crazy weaponry. Right. I love, love that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. I was, uh, I was very lucky last year to have John Ostrander on the show. Ah, marvelous. And that was an incredible conversation. I mean, there was so oh. much to talk about. Suicide Squad was just about to come out, but I couldn't stop talking Star Wars. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he was very okay with his stuff not being canon anymore. Right. How do you feel about the whole switch? As far as all those dark, incredible dark horse stories that were told for so many years, all of a sudden, don't count. Well, I guess they don't count. But you know, Marvel's been reproducing a lot of that material from right. from the dark horse. Well, have you read any? Of the new, have you read any of the Marvel Star Wars? I have, and I've been enjoying some of it. I they've like it they've had some bit. really good talents on it, and I so I think you know it's it's just we we live in an age where we expect that kind of thing. I think nobody's surprised. You know, things change ownership, names change, right. uh, details change. The the fans tend to to roll with those punches, and it's yeah. fine. Right. We've gone through even within within companies, you know, the the origins of characters, the the histories of characters, keep changing up every few years. They reinvent well, the, them. The comic fans are more used to it. I think they the are Star definitely Wars used fans, to it. Yeah. It was a little harder to sure take because probably. that was always so important. It's, yeah. yeah. It's kind of like baseball and all the stats. I mean, to really enjoy baseball, you got to be into the stats. That's a great analogy. That's so, a great analogy. So, I never thought of it like yeah, that. Yeah, so with Star yeah. Wars, it's like the history. They've always posted the timeline and exactly what was going the on with each. Yeah. Yes, that's so important to it. So, so you don't really want to mess with that too much. Well, I think they were incredibly smart by... In the beginning, they told us they were going to pick and choose and like yeah. you know do a little cherry picking. We weren't sure how far they'd go with that. Right. It was hard to trust, but they went nuts. Yeah. The Grand Admiral Thrawn, they are like, yeah. he's canon again! Woo! Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. getting excited. So. I think that's, that's really smart on their part. And you guys, you in particular, Mr. Mark McKenna, did some wonderful issues. They're just yeah. gorgeous issues, too. Mark is such a, a wonderful guy to work with. He's such a great inker. And the two of us are both big Star Wars fans. So yeah. it was a lot of fun working on that. Some of the work we were doing, one of the early ones we were working on together on that was uh, Knights of the Old Republic project. Yeah. Um, and, and the neat thing about that at the time was that they were releasing it as a teaser for the interactive web game. Yeah. And, and because of that, we were setting up, I think it was seven-page installments we were putting out at the time. Uh, we would get to get immediate fan reaction to the work as, as we were in the midst of the project. And I think for both of us, that was kind of a new experience. It was great. I mean, I love the fact that, that while we were busy still working on the project, we were getting input. Right, right. From the readers. That's amazing. That's got to be incredibly helpful, yeah. especially for a very picky readership. Right? Considering, <laughs> considering the uh, in contrast, when I came into drawing comics in the first place, I was working for Marvel. They were on the Virginia Romita schedule. Right. Have you ever heard of the Virginia yeah. Romita schedule? Ah. Okay. <laughs> the Virginia Romita schedule was that the books had to be produced. The penciler had to be doing their work specifically on a book seven months before release of the book. What? Yes. That's insane. Well, that was that was, exactly. Yeah. I mean, nobody's using the Virginia Romita schedule these oh days. Oh my lord! But that was it. The, the seven months ahead, and really, what they were trying to do was ensure that no matter what happened, 
they could always stay on schedule in terms of getting the books out. Right, right. Yeah. They were that was the buffer that they had built into the process. Seven months. Can't even comprehend it. Like, how do you well, for a young artist, it was a little bit daunting because, of course, you were anxious to get your work out there sure. after you'd done it. I mean, it's great to get paid, but it's <laughs> yeah. nice if you can get your work out to the public eye. Yeah. And of course, it would be so many months later. And then when you saw your work come out, you'd be going, "Oh my God, I drew that! I drew that!" <laughs> because, as again, as a young artist, your work is always improving, leaps and bounds. Sure, you know, sure. a month makes a big difference, let yeah. alone seven. So, of course. It's it it is a little you know jarring. You were, uh, you were kind <laughs> enough years ago to sign my uh, Star Wars comics uh, at Fan Expo a few years ago. Right. I've seen McKenna about four times since yeah. and brought the comics and have forgot to get him to sign them. Oh no! Every time and it's driving me crazy that I do have constant access to kind of both of you. And I just yeah. I keep bloody well forgetting. But It'll uh, happen. One yeah. of these days we'll you'll get, get it together and it will happen. I'm going down for the great cool. Philadelphia yeah. Comic Con. Yeah. Uh, he's going to be there, so it'll be cool to see him again. Yeah. Uh, are you working on anything other than the teaching in the, in the book right now? I think, or? well, I just finished a run on the classic Captain Canuck. Oh! So, uh, the... How did the, that come about? It, that, that, I just... Was working with uh, with George. We, I, he and I have worked together on projects before, and and it just came sort of uh, sort of a synchronicity or convergence of events uh, came up, and I ended up working with him on it. So I was doing the pencils, he was doing the inks on on a run on the book, awesome. and and it's just real pretty looking stuff. I'm very very proud of it, very happy uh, with with how that went. Uh, and and then beyond that, I've got some other projects in the work which I cannot speak about which yet. Which is a good thing. I always like to hear when people yeah, have yeah, things. Yeah. It's got to feel great. This community. Yeah. We are so incredibly spoiled here we are. to have the amount of low, like low level, incredible talent, all the way up to so many guys working for the big two. Oh, it's amazing! It's amazing what we have here in Canada in the way of talent, and always has. And I always find to me and I don't know what it is necessarily about it but I always find that the Canadian talent tends to be very strong and specific in their styles very quirky right uh, there's you don't there's, they're distinctive there's, there's a real sort well, do you of think it's the flavor to it and the opportunity because so many schools Sheridan you went to Sheridan the, I, think, the, the I think it's the long winters the actually galleries. oh I just stayed inside <laughs> and drawing all the time that's right <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Okay. That's why uh, they say Winnipeg is so <laughs> so, uh, so blessed with, with talent. With an amazing yes. artist. That's nice. right. Uh, if you wanted to point out things, like if people aren't familiar with you and your storied long career, yeah. what are the highlights you'd want people to check out? Well, just various projects over at both Marvel and DC. There was a big one that I did called Act of God for DC, which, which was a a big sort of mega project for me and involved every character in the DC universe at that time. Right That's a lot of fun to check out. Oh, and sure. of course a couple of classic runs that I did. There was a, a run on Alpha Flight uh, where I was introduced as Canada's own David Ross uh, at the beginning of the cool, series. Man. That was, that was awesome. cool. Yeah. Uh, and then there was an, another run after that on uh, Avengers West Coast that it was a lot of fun to work on. Have you on. drawn Wolverine? Yes. Oh, oh yeah. So I did a Hulk Wolverine special project for Marvel Comics Presents initially. Right on. And that was a lot of fun to work on. It was, we, we even got some of it to happen in Toronto and I made sure the CN Tower was in right. there. Basically this, this is sort of fight going on at the tower, by the tower, and sort of pushed to make sure the tower was in there. That was fun. That's um, cool. And then what else? Uh, the Star Wars, of course. People should definitely Yeah, the Star Wars stuff Star is amazing. Yeah, You've got to see that. Yeah. And I did also uh, um, another series for them um, 
that was called Alien Xenogenesis. Sounds familiar. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I I drew my little old heart out on that because those aliens, those aliens are not easy to draw. They're very complex. Right. They they even make. I mean, they always say, "Oh, just just draw a silhouette." They even make complex silhouettes for heaven's sakes. Oh gosh, that's uh, not fun. And of course, there's always thousands of them, right? Right, right. But it was a lot of fun to work on. It was a it was a good rip roaring adventure. And again, because it was sci-fi, lots of hardware. Yeah, yeah. And I got to design lots of ships and, right, and right. just had a lot of fun with you it. You started so, super young, didn't you? Well, uh, a little younger than most, no? I would say, yeah. But, um, I don't know. Just when I've met you and talked to you, it doesn't feel like you like mid twenties, I guess. Mid twenties. I mean, young. Yeah, it was, yeah, fun, young, but sort of respectable age. Because you're 30 yeah. years in, and you, yeah. know, you seem to have plenty of years left to go, man. Like, you know what I mean? I feel like I do. Yeah, I feel yeah. like I do, you know. God willing, uh, you know, the, the energy levels are still there, and I got lots of creative ideas bubbling away, so, right, right. so I want to get them out on paper. That's and, awesome. And I've been doing that. I, I do a lot of work uh, on my own projects when I'm not doing things like Captain Canuck. And I'm dealing with students at the at the school. I do a lot of my own work on my own projects, but I also pick the kinds of artwork that is going to serve as good object lessons for them. Okay. So lately, I was doing a piece with all these snake creatures on it, snake characters, and I was showing the students how to do the scales and how to move the scales in perspective through the drawing. I mean, oh, that's, that's a neat. that's a tough and very specific little challenge. Right, right. Which it's great for the students to see how to tackle right. and so there was that one and then there was another uh, let's see was a oh yes another one that I used just basically I had some characters in the, moving through the, the forest and I was showing how to use the line weights because because it was a completely organic environment there was really no grid that you could use to create the sense of perspective depth okay, I see what you're saying. so therefore you had to find other ways to do it so it became a, a total exercise in using line weights heavier, heavier line weights and solid blacks only in the foreground, lighter and thinner lines progressively until they broke right. up a little bit in the background to create that sense of the aerial, what I refer to as aerial perspective, which is really just, it's not a high angle shot, aerial perspective refers to... bird's eye? That's bird's eye view. <laughs> aerial perspective is the, the notion that, the way I always put it is, that you've got a lot of air between things and okay. you, and the air has particles in it which obscure what's been behind. So the more air you have, AKA the further back something is, Focus. the fainter it becomes. Right, right, I got you. So the notion that the thing in the foreground, very crisp, very dark, good heavy holding lines around everything, pushing back into the background, progressively lighter lines, thinner lines, right. less solid blacks until you have none, and then, then even further back if you need to, breaking the lines up okay. entirely. Right. That creates a beautiful sense of depth. So for me, that was a, an opportunity to show that, demonstrate that to the students. Right. So what I'm trying to do at, at this point, working on my own project work, is to be able to pick and choose the things that will be useful for the students as well as demonstration exercises. And then keep it fun then, for you too, right? And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Keeps it fun for me and it's sort of... Um, you got me wanting to take the class now. All man. right. Well, How you can just, people take the class? Well, it's, it, the, the, the school is is the uh, Max the Mutt uh, College of Animation, Art and Design and it's located in Toronto. It's in the east end of Toronto. It's on the Danforth between Maine and Victoria Park stations. They run uh, adult courses. It's a post-secondary school. So they run adult courses, um, diploma programs, okay. uh, and 
they're three or four years depending upon what oh, the stream is. Chunk, they oh, are. Man. So it really is a serious program. You learn a lot. The students progress and develop amazing skills at that school. Just right. incredible. When I see the what they're doing when they come into the school visa versus what they do when they they graduate, just incredible. Oh, that must be nice to see the program. Oh, yeah. Say. Very satisfying. It's, Very... A, it's a different kind of thing when I have a six-year-old. Yes. And right. five to six is kind of that age where they yeah. really start progressing. Yeah. So it's going from stick figures to and circles All with of a sudden things are really to, starting to happen. Yeah. yeah, you know, look at the little details and yeah. you can't and, help but And with like, these students, they get so much polish on their work. Right. You know, but they, they learn so many fundamentals and they get a lot of intensive uh, life drawing, intensive study of head, hands, and features, those kinds of really specific courses that are geared to, awesome. to, yeah, yeah. to picking on the weaknesses that they, so many of them have when they come in and making sure that those areas get strengthened. Right, right. So it's, it's, it's great. So, so I, I teach there, I also do some workshops and others will do some workshops. I would suggest to anybody out there that's interested and is in the area, in, in the region, uh, that they should check out the Max the Mutt website uh, look that up because if they can do that, uh, they can keep track of any of the special workshops that are going on. Right, right. Um, otherwise, if you're interested in really the full commitment of time and energy into owning your skills in this area, then submit portfolio to the school. Talk to the folks in admissions there uh, about what they need for every specific course that you might be interested right, in, right. and come in and and. Visit the school. Just yeah, get involved. Just, just get do involved. it, kids. Just, just you got get it. out there. Max the mutt. Get involved. David is always an absolute pleasure to get to talk to you, sir. I greatly appreciate it. Pleasure's all mine. Dave Ross, kids. The Max the